Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Yes, I promise this is actually me. I know it does not sound like me. Uh, That's because that uh, holiday bug that seems to be hitting everybody in North Texas right now has come for yours truly. I am also joined by Brian Broaddus, former uh, Super Bowl Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And Brian, how's it going? You seem happy. You seem healthy. Uh, how's it going? Man, I, I thought this show had a lot more toughness to it. Hey, know? toughness is showing up here. I thought, you here. know, I thought I thought there was, it's, you know, it's a full, it's a full-on grind. You know, you, you play hurt. And, I you know, I do appreciate you playing a little hurt today. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing hurt. I, I'm You're playing here. a lot hurt. It sounds like, it, man. It's it, it's honestly. It's not even that. It's just. It's my voice is gone. Yeah. It, it, like I'm. I'm doing all right. It's just the voice is shot at this point. Yeah. So yeah. honestly, I think it's that I've had to work that extra half hour 
on the morning show this week uh, with Sean Sharif out. That extra half hour, like this is what I was trying to avoid the last year by not showing up at 5.30 was making sure that my voice wasn't taxed, uh, Brian. So that's what we're looking at. Um, so we're going to take a look at the Lions today. Uh, there's obviously the uh, big game coming up this weekend, the induction of Jimmy Johnson into the Cowboys Ring of Honor. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to take a, a a closer look at something that you've suggested recently, Brian, here on the show. I know you've suggested on the G-Bag Nation, and that's the idea of these home road splits and some of what could be at play here being that here we go cadence uh, being something that's a little more difficult for them to execute on the road in loud environments and that then causing some issues in terms of their communication, specifically along the offensive line. So I think for a lot of fans, when they hear the talk about cadence, they think of it as a, a starting gun at a race or something. And it's just, okay, yeah, it's, it's the it's the magic words that say go. Why is that such a big deal? Why would everything be so thrown off by that? Because everybody, you know, it's not like you're having a bunch of guys who are false starting every time. So as long as they're getting the snap off, what does that affect? So uh, I was hosting on DallasCowboys.com and 105 Through the Fan on Wednesday night uh, with Kevin Hagelin from 105 Through the Fan, Nate Newton, and Dave Campo uh, on the Cowboys Crosstalk. And after you had brought this up, I wanted to bring that line of thinking up to Nate Newton and get Nate to explain what is the importance of the cadence and how could that be affected on the road. So, Brian, I'm going to play that real quick. This is a longer cut. It's about three and a half minutes, but I'm going to play this. And then we'll talk about it on the other side. So this is Nate Newton. Uh, this is me setting up Nate and then Nate's reaction to the discussion of cadence on Wednesday night. Nate, one of the things that's become a discussion point is maybe it's it's the communication between the offensive line. Maybe it's the cadence that that cadence that we've all started to hear the here we go. White 80 set up and, 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 you know, it's become almost memed on the Internet. But when you just break that down for people listening, the importance of the cadence and why could that potentially cause so much disruption to the quality of the offense between home and road? Uh, this is going to take a little time now. They hit it. We, we hit do, it early do you want? Do you want to get No, I want you to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> when when we we used to get out of the huddle fast, we that didn't mean because we got out of the huddle fast, we was going to run a play fast. A lot of times you want to give your quarterback a chance to survey. More importantly, you want to give your center a chance to see the five guys that we're going to take. Normally, the four down guys and the one linebacker. All right, if they're running a three, four, uh, the six guys, because we, you know, with when then Moose would be involved. Mm-hmm. So, the coach, and that would give us defensive offensive linemen a chance, our center, to step nice to say, okay, we got 55 to 33. And the quarterback, okay, they got 55 to 33. So, that alert the wide receiver out there that if, both, if this 33 come along with 55, it's a hot, it's a hot. You break right this thing now. off yeah. right now. So now, but the quarterback may change the play. Boom, boom, boom. He may flip it all the way to the other side. So now we're looking at 55 still, but now we got 26 over here. This receiver got to be alerted to it. This tight end. Now, because we move the power, this tight end got to be alerted to it. Clock get down about 12. Ready, ready. Ready, ready. Here we go. Here we go. Play is in lock. It's locked now. We're not going to change it. And now you're asking a lot from your offensive line, and you're asking a lot from your receivers, and when it's loud, something can be lost in communications. But the reason I wanted Coach to go because what Jimmy did, when we go to New Orleans, 
we stop with all this ready, ready. Yes. We we start. We get our best five running plays with two variations off our best five running plays. Now a lot of our receiving stuff stayed in place because we wasn't a, a, a West Coast offense. So what we called in the huddle, we could adjust to anything on the field. So what I'm trying to say here is sometimes you got to simplify, especially on your defense, so guys can play fast. You are, are your players the single high with, with, with cover corners. You changed a little bit last week because of Miami and all of his speed, but this should be very easy. Now it comes down to whether your defensive linemen want a straight rush or run games. If you're running games and, you're in that, and, that, and that tight end changes, now all of a sudden them games get a little shaky and everybody can get a little lost. But coach them, I used to hear Jimmy tell them, why don't you simplify it so our players can continue to play fast? It, it, all of these things we've heard before, but what you have to do is prepare your players for these type situations. When we used to have a loud, like New Orleans, or Seattle, or even we go out to play the Steelers, if we had to hold hands, yeah. Right. You know, if we if we had to let our center say green, 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 and then we'll all go 1,001, 1,002, we all move together. We practice this. Right. And you have to dedicate yourself. Forget what the, what the Players Association talking about finding you. You as players got to go, get, put that extra time in. You as players, forget the coaches, you as players. So I think that was a a really good explanation from Nate Newton in terms That's an of all pro answer right there. It is that that is a six time Pro Bowler right there, a guy who hopefully uh, he'll get thrown up in the Ring of Honor here uh, soon one day. Um, but the, I, I thought that was a really great answer from Nate Newton in, in terms of just talking about hey, this is how it can impact things when the cadence is off, or if you miss a call and you don't understand that this is slid here, you don't understand which guys are being accounted for here. Um, and, and also how he talked about that when they were in New Orleans and he's literally saying they were holding hands on the yeah. line of scrimmage oh, yeah. because it's so loud right. and you hear the center call and then they're just in their heads are 1001, 1002 go and that they have to do those sorts of things. Do you think, Brian, that you've obviously suggested, hey, maybe this is part of what has caused the issue. And, and I know John Machado from The Athletic, he came on this week. He thought that was a great theory, that that was something that has, has caused problems for them on the road. Do you think that that's something that they can potentially identify and repair in time for the playoffs? Or is that something where th- there may not be a magic cure-all for that? Well, there's not a magic cure-all for it right now. Uh, but the one thing that they're benefiting, and it, what's the reason I brought this up was there were times, like in the Buffalo game, for example, where a twist stunt, that normally Smith and Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith usually just pick up. Usually it's just a simple, and sometimes with Ty, with Tyron, it's not communication. It's just kind of a given, but you know, maybe you want to communicate the stunt. They end up trying to man the stunt, meaning they went when the, when the, uh, the tackle went out that Tyler Smith went with him. And when the, when the, and when the end came around, you know, Tyron Smith, Tyron Smith went with him. So now you're colliding and guys are getting picked. Tyron yeah. got picked. And now, you know, the, the looper is on to Dak Prescott. And I started thinking, I'm like, man, that's that's something that they that – you don't see that happen at home. You, you just don't see that stunt problem happen at home. 
They usually sort it out. They pick it up. The thing that also got me, too, was how deep they were getting into the count. And Dak was just pounding his foot on the turf and clapping his hands. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. So you don't see that at home. You see you see a real smoothness to the way, you know, we've all, you know, we're at home game. We can hear the, you know, we can hear Dak with the here we go. And then they get into their, your, you know, the cadence and the ball. And everything runs really, really smooth. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been having some problems. The, I will say this. In the Miami game, I was surprised with Adoga in some of the, the problems they had. Just, you know, there was one time there, and Nate and Coach Campo brought it up, where, where, uh, where uh, Steele blocked down to take the blitzer. And you're taught as an offensive lineman that, like, you know, to slide inside, take the first threat, the blitzer's the first threat, and they let the furthest guy from the ball go. That's the quarterback's man. Well, if you watch the All-22, it's a third and six, and you see Cooks sees the blitzer to his side, and he looks for the ball inside. And Dak's looking at him, and he doesn't throw him the ball. And so you wonder, well, what kind of what kind of hot packages do they have? You know, Dave brought it up. Uh, uh, you know, Nate brought it up. You wonder, well, are the Cowboys they throw hot? Because it happened a couple of different times. Yeah, it happened to Ferguson on the other side when Adoga didn't, you know, didn't block who he was supposed to block. And so, you know, Ferguson was looking for the ball inside. Like, I think I'm supposed to get this pass here. You know, I'm thinking I'm supposed to get a hot hot read. And that's something as we get into Detroit was going to be a little concerning to me because Detroit is a very heavy linebacker blitz team. Uh, Angeloni, the the linebacker, big time blitzer. He's he's I think he's got 26 pressures this year, which is the second most of any off ball linebacker playing in the game today. He's a really good pass rusher at the there. You go there. You go. So now you're thinking, well, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but. I do believe that they had some they had some communication issues and it's affected the way that they played. And, you know, it usually starts with the center. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Bobby, and I think you saw the all twenty-two. It wasn't one of the best games for Tyler Biotish. No. We all we all kind of focus on on what happened with uh, Adoga. <laughs> but, you know, if you believe in metrics, and I always say that, you know, next gen stats, thirty-nine dropbacks three pressures is what they had, you know, for a doga, you know, but I guarantee you, you look inside of what happened at center. It told a far different story that, that everybody focusing on the tackle, the center didn't play particularly well. And he, he had been playing very well. Yeah. You know, this was a tough, tough game for him inside with Wilkins and stuff. So, but yes, to, I really appreciate Nate and coach explaining and walking us through because that's exactly what they're dealing with right now on the road. And it's clear that there's been some times where protection hasn't been as nearly clean as it is when they play at AT&T Stadium. Hopefully something that the Cowboys can clean up as they head into the postseason where they could be facing several road games here. Right. Uh, it's definitely something that uh, will, will be an issue, a, a continued challenge for them. Uh, as they move along, you're listening to the Love the Star podcast. Love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. 
So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, Brian, this Detroit Lions team uh, comes to AT&T Stadium uh, with an 11-4 record. They have clinched the NFC North. Um, they've had a really, uh, you know, resurgent run here with Dan Campbell. Um, you were you were here in Dallas when Dan Campbell was here, right? Yeah, I was actually in Detroit. I was actually Green Bay, Detroit. The last time they won the uh, what was then the NFC Central, I yep. believe, is what we were. We weren't, weren't even the North. We were the NFC Central. Yeah, that was, we had was Tampa West Bay. East. We had Tampa Bay in the division. So yep. yeah, Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, and Tampa. So yeah, that was kind of a. But yeah, that, and then had to go play a playoff game uh, at the old Silverdome. So yeah. did you ever have the impression? And I don't know how much you would have been around Dan Campbell at the time, but did you ever have an impression of Dan Campbell of like, oh, that's a future coach right there when he was in Dallas? Uh, you know what? Danny was always a uh, man. He was he was really a student of the game, and, you know. And but rough tumble. You know the personality. What you see of, of, of Dan right now is that's exactly what he was as a player. I mean, it was really important to him. Uh, you know, as a player, uh, he was, like I say, super tough, super smart. Uh, at times, you, you felt like that, like maybe he was like, uh, he, he was, he just was just, just like he was like the old, they always talk about the bull in the china shop, you know, just kind of banging around and, and causing havoc and stuff like that. But very, very respected player. And, but, you know, it's funny, some of these guys, I would have I would have never dreamed that Dan would be the type of head coach he is, but you would say that maybe Dan could be a position coach and you know and be that type of guy. But boy, he is he is totally developed into a, a you know I mean and you know, the thing about Dan is they started off so poorly last year and then they finished so well and they had a great season this season. But it's really about him and that stick to this, you know. And I, I guess I might yeah. have just made up a word. But he, I, I know what you're saying, though. He's one of those guys that you kind of like, you would think that maybe he's like high school Harry with all the sayings and all that stuff. But he really is a believer of staying with the plan, you know, just bonding together and finding ways to win. And that's what his football team, they're, they're, a, uh, they're a team that plays very much to the echo of the whistle. And I mean that in a respectful way because when you're, you know, you deal with, a guy like, and we'll get into, you know, with, with Hutchinson and stuff like that, you better block their players through the whistle because if you don't, they will make plays. They're just that good of a team. It's funny. You, uh, Dan Campbell being here in Dallas, uh, you know what my, my memory as a young Cowboys fan was uh, of Dan Campbell? You know what sticks out to me of his time here? What's the that? The lone touchdown that he caught against the Buffalo Bills in a 10-6 football game that uh, I think was called a 7-2. Yeah. And you know what also sticks out to me about that game, Brian? Do you remember who iced the game with a 17-yard run on third down? Mm-mm. Adrian Morrell. 
Adrian Morrell did. A lot of people don't even remember Adrian Morrell was with Dallas, but he was here for a minute. Adrian Morrell, the old, uh, was he a Jet, right? When he was yeah, that, it was Jets? a person. He was, uh, he was yeah. one of those, uh, as the Dallas media used to call him, Fobs, friends yeah. of Bill. Friends he was a Bill. friend of Bill Parcells. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't have, I couldn't remember who exactly. It's funny, like Dave Campa, we interviewed him today on 105.3 The Fan. And I remembered Fred Strickland, like an obscure linebacker yeah. we had in Green Bay that ended up playing in Dallas. Yeah. And Dave goes, I can't remember the linebacker. And I go, Fred Strickland. And he goes, yeah, Fred Strickland. <laughs> so, yeah, but Adrian Morrell, uh, I remember, I actually remember the first, one of the first times I ever went scouting in my life. Uh, two schools I went to, 19, I went to Iowa and into West Virginia, to, and Adrian Morrell was at West Virginia. I remember remember scouting him, but man, that was a that's a. But it seems like ages ago, and it was it was ages. Yeah, ago. I, mean, I mean, even in 03, Adrian Morrell was uh, yeah. barely hanging on in the NFL at that yeah. point. Uh, Brian, let's talk about this Detroit Lions offense. We'll talk about the defense on uh, tomorrow's episode. But uh, when you take a look at this offense, what really stands out to you? I know I for me watching them. Um, they're, they're really strong in the trenches. Um, they, I, I know that just like any offensive line, it's not always perfect. There are spots where maybe you can take advantage of some things. But, man, I feel like together as a unit, they play really solid, uh, you know, in pass protection and in the run game. I, I just I, I think that this is going to be an offensive line that's going to give the Cowboys some trouble. Well, you know, I, I kind of feel like the, with Detroit, when you look at them, though, uh, it's, it's to me, you know, Penny Sewell – he was drafted when he was 20 years old. He's now in his third year in the league, and he he's your right tackle. And the thing about him is that there there have been some times in games that you've watched that I've studied where he's just so outside dominant, dominant, you know, kick, 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 kick. You know, he's in, and but then sometimes people take him inside, and there's a little bit of a struggle there. I I do. Those euro I, steps, those little hop steps, those little hop steps, up. yeah. But I, I tell the you where, swim. I think Bobby, where 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 you really need to make some hay against against this Detroit offensive line is you, if you can, it's on the it's on the left side with two former Buckeyes with with uh, with Jonah Jackson and then Taylor Decker over there. I, yeah. I, I when you watch them play, you could tell you could tell. That Jackson, the guard, is always has his eye on what's going on with Taylor Decker, because Taylor Decker is a really good athlete, but he doesn't have much power. Yeah, I was I mean, about to say Decker can struggle with power. You can rush to his chest. You can absolutely. He gets very upright, and and all of a sudden, I've seen people walk him straight to the quarterback. Yep. You know, and so there's times where Jackson, if you put guys on Jackson to make him have to block. And then he can't pay attention to or help Decker. That might be something that you see the Cowboys try to do in this game: cover up Jackson the guard, and then make Decker play one on one. That's that. That would be what I would have to do, because his eyes are always to the outside. And you know, and then I noticed with 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 Jackson, the guard, he struggled when they tacked his left shoulder. So his left shoulder, his outside shoulder. When they when teams attack that shoulder, he tended to have a little bit more of a problem. So I feel like that the right side of their offensive line is is really good. Ragnall the center is coming back from some injuries and stuff like that, but but still, 
he's really, really good. I, I was really wrong about him. I kind of thought he was more of a third-round guy, much like what they did with Travis Frederick, you know, same kind of. But, you know, both guys really close, what we call belly-to-belly blockers, grab you, second level, you know, scoops, reach, don't get knocked on the ground kind of thing. But if Dallas is going to put pressure on golf, I think it's going to come off the left side. Uh, it'll be the left side of the Detroit offensive line, the right side of the Dallas Cowboys defense. A lot of people had thrown uh, dirt on Jared Goff when yeah. the Rams moved on from him. And, and it was almost kind of like, well, that's an indictment. If Sean McVay thinks I need a different quarterback to come in here, it, it felt like it was just the, you know, oh, well, well, if Sean McVay rejects you, then then you must not have much of it. But, man, he's been really good in Detroit these last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's found himself a little bit. You know, Sean McVay is, is kind of famous for kind of talking in his ear up until the 15-second mark. Um, but, but I think he's kind of found himself, and, and the Lions have let him, you know, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, they've done a good job fostering an environment for him to be a difference maker. Um, but it, but he's somebody who can absolutely hurt the Cowboys with his ability, um, trusts his ability to, to fit the ball in some tight spaces. Sure mm-hmm. And there will be an opportunity, I think, for you to generate some turnovers in this one. Yeah, but this is what's interesting about golf. If you look at all the metrics, and man, I'm, I'm having fun learning about metrics. <laughs> and I'm learning things. There's things that pop out when you talk about Jerry Golf. He's playing at a really high level, and you can you can't compare his numbers with Dak Prescott's, and they're both pretty much right on par with each other. When you know Dak's a little less on the interceptions and stuff like that, but I'll say this: I learned this. There's only one, or there's three quarterbacks in the National Football League this year that have not thrown an interception against man coverage, and Jared Goff is one of them. And this is this is a man heavy team the the Cowboys. Exactly. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield and Will Levis are the only other two quarterbacks in the league that have not thrown an interception against man coverage. Your Cowboys play 46.7% man coverage. So, we will see. We will see where the as they say the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Uh, will you get into a situation where they play more zone coverage? You're absolutely right about golf, though. He will fit the ball in between, like, really narrow windows. And he's got some receivers that aren't afraid to go get the ball. And he's got a legitimate tight end as well. But I will say this. He's also thrown the second most interceptions in the league when he's been pressured. So the, the, key, for, the, key, for, the key for him, or the key for the Cowboys, I want to say, is all about the pressures. The, yeah. the pressures affect the way there used to be a time and you, you the Chicago Bears played these guys great twice uh and and you know in the game they won in Chicago was really it used to be where you could get and not used to be I think there's still something to it there there was a time and again still I think where golf playing outside and cold was like death to him you know, anything that all hands. Yeah. When he played two gloves on hand warmer, you know, all the geared up stuff that he had to do, that was like death to him. But, you know, he's, he's had some pretty good numbers of, of working against blitzes this year, which is another thing, you know, Dallas likes to bring the blitz. If you look at the previous five games, he's 52 of 78 for 497 yards, six touchdowns, one interceptions, one interception. But pressures, you know, give him some have given him some problems uh, in in the past, and given some problems uh, this year. So 
They throw a ton of crossing routes at you. That's uh, 15% of their routes are crossing routes. That's the most in the National Football League. So you got him and St. Brown. St. Brown is one of the most, I mean, you, you talk about a reliable, don't, don't let, he's like a practice player on a Thursday when they, when they throw the ball and it doesn't hit the, it hit the turf. Yeah. You just keep throwing him the ball. He, he is that kind of guy. He is a special player. And, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's been super impressive uh, to watch him play and then to watch him uh, and watch him develop. And then, and not to mention these backs they have too. You know, I mean, oh, uh, it's Gibbs and Montgomery are, yeah, are really it, good. They are really, and and the, the thing about the thing about their their when you watch these backs is they're one of the best in the league when it comes to yards after contact. These guys have amassed almost well over thirteen hundred yards, almost fourteen hundred yards, which is only behind the Dolphins when it comes to yards after contact. So you know, the Dolphins were pretty predominantly heavy outside run. You're going to get a pretty balanced, pretty balanced, you know, group here when it comes to their like 57% of their runs are going to be to the outside. And it's mainly to the strong side, is what they like to run to. But another thing, too, Bob, if I could tell you this also, yeah. I'm totally nerding out right now. No, no, no. About, Give about, it to us. about golf. But they will they will use an extra blocker. We're all familiar with Dan Skipper. They're yep. 6'10", great guy. Met him a couple. And Dan Skipper's a great human being. Got into a he, great he, training camp fight. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's 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 like the extra lineman. The last time we saw extra blocker, extra lineman, Buffalo. So maybe we'll see some, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more Dan Skipper. When they were running the football, They Buffalo went extra blocker. Dan Skipper's an extra blocker. But there's this team likes to run the ball. Just a little key to look at, and let's see if they break the tendency this week. They like to run the ball when golf is under center. That's like sixty nine percent of the time. Nice. Which, that's fourth. Mo- yeah, that's fourth most in the NFL right now. So when you see golf under center, and they like to give their backs the reason they do it is they like to give their backs an opportunity to the ball to be brought to them. And then them to attack and then to run instead of being like in a sidecar where they hand it to them and then they have to run from that or pistol where they turn, but they like to be able to give them the ball coming downhill. So you see golf under center, that's a pretty good indication that they're going to run the football. Uh, lots of lots of great details there on the running game. St. Brown, golf, yeah. the offensive line, everything like that. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, uh, your thoughts on what you've seen from Sam Laporta at this point? I know Justin Stuckey, one of the Cowboys scouts, yeah. came in, talked to us on DallasCowboys.com, and said, "Man, that one hurt a little bit. That kind of hurt my spirit to see Sam Laporta get big." Uh, Cowboys were fans of his, um, but he he's been fantastic for them. Yeah, I talked to I talked to some guys in the front office this week and and uh, about that and. I'd, I'd followed up because remember Bobby when we were working on the draft we were in, in we, were, we were hearing whispers about Laporta. Remember it's yep. like Dallas could take Laporta with their with pick what twenty six. Yeah, they could take him, and we were all like, "Wow, really? Wow!" Then you know it was kind of that name that you heard literally when we're sitting there at the at the star at Frisco working to get work, rework the draft, and Laporta and I had gotten some word that Mike McCarthy. Lunda Wells, and then you mentioned Mitch Stuckey or uh, Justin Stuckey. Uh, Justin yeah. Stuckey uh, was uh, was uh, you know was involved. I mean, he they were really you know, and so that's you know. But just real quick about him, 
he, he, you know, it doesn't look so bad now if they were to take him in the first round. I mean, the way he's sure. playing, uh, you know, they, they use him in a great way. They really, really do. He's a tough player. His routes are really good. He's a mismatch kind of guy. He's got strength. He's got speed. He's soft-handed. He's got a good catch radius. He, he does lead the team in drops, though. He's had six this year. But, like, he catches the ball. He's like a bulldozer with the ball in his hands. He's, you know, effort as a run blocker. I think he needs to improve his sustain a little bit. But when you talk about a red zone weapon, he's, you know, been targeted three time, uh, four times, three catches down the red zone, touchdown machine. He's got nine of those, which is the second most on the squad. So he's a guy you're definitely going to have to account for throughout this game. The, the wheel routes and, I mean, they set plays up for him. And so you have to be – Really mindful of that. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Stars an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners to get their thoughts, take their questions, and uh, find out the the things that are, are really tickling their brains this week. Uh, Brian, first question here. Uh, this is from the Stargazer on Twitter. Why has Mozzie Smith dropped a significant amount of weight when we drafted him to be our one tech behind yeah, Hankins? how about that? 
How about that? I asked the question, uh, and I'm, and thank you very much. Uh, I said that on uh, on the um, Cowboy Break two days ago, and because I was asking the question about Mozzie Smith uh, about the, um, I go he, I asked this guy, see, he looks smaller. He looks smaller on tape. And I go, am I missing something here? He looks small. And the guy said, yeah, he's he's lost a significant amount of weight. And I said, well, how is he? He says, well, he's down under 300 pounds, you know? And this, I was like, oh, okay. I don't quite understand. I don't have a great answer for you why he's lost weight. I mean, you deal with, you have an offensive line, excuse me, a defensive line group that is very mindful of their weight. And now, you know, maybe it was a situation where he was trying to lose weight to play more next to Hankins, you know, to play maybe a little bit more under tackle. I don't know anybody in the organization that said, hey, Mozzie, you need to lose weight. But he is significantly lighter than when he was when he was drafted out of Michigan. And you kind of wonder, well, yeah, he was drafted to be that, you know, 318-pound tackle, that nose tackle, that one technique. But that's we're we're far far from that. He's very much like you, Bobby, and your soda program that you're on here in 105. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, check it out. It's a good way to lose weight. But he is he's had a significant weight loss, and and uh, he's not nearly as big as he was when he was drafted. And I don't know, and I don't have a great answer for you why the Cowboys are allowing him to play well under 300 pounds. Is, do you think there's any possibility that that has to do with – it feels like when he's slow off the ball, a lot of times it's a reaction, but do you think it has quickness? anything to do with when you need to be quicker off the ball? He, You know, I, I I don't know if you would drop almost 40 pounds to do that. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, that's kind of – well, I mean, what was his weight coming in? I mean, was he th- was he 330? 330 or something. Yeah, well, he's not he that big. anymore. He's not that. So, yeah. Uh uh, I, I think that, you know, to me, it's, you know, maybe they, maybe they're talking about, Hey, you need to be a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, and, and but, um, he, he is, he is not the guy, <laughs> he is not the guy that you drafted it weight wise, weight wise. I think Mozzie, I think Mozzie at times has played really, really well. I've said this a bunch. I've been on, I've been on record when he doesn't read the snap, when he doesn't see the snap and play slow, he, he gets blocked every time. You can just count on him getting blocked. When he when he's off on the snap with everybody else, he can be a very difficult guy to block. But yeah, they uh, they've allowed this weight loss, and I don't have a great answer for it. I know I've said that five times now. Next question from uh, actually our teammate at one hundred and five to the fan, Justin Honore. Uh, oh. Justin says, when it comes to facing these two high shell defenses, the Cowboys have faced in recent weeks. Do you think they make life easier for the defense with their lack of variation of route depth, especially on third and seven and longer? We talking about the Cowboy offense? Yes. All right. I did. Uh, pardon my my paper flipping going on here right now, but I did something, and I got to put this together. I got to put this together. I did all the all the split safety stuff, you know, with Dak, mm-hmm. yep. like pa- passing versus passing versus zone, you know. And I came up with uh, two hundred thirty three completions on three hundred twenty nine attempts at seventy point eight, twelve touchdowns, six interceptions, six point eight six per that that I I was trying to see about that and he's asking about Justin's asking about the two the two high right yep asking about right, two the, high and does that make life easier for yeah. the opposing defense because okay, of the lack two of high the yeah. two high bad games for Dak mm-hmm. they the, the, the Giants in week one he was five and nine for thirty two yards no interceptions no touchdowns that was against two high 
Different offense back then, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, then if we'll, we'll skip it down to 49ers. We all kind of five of 10, 44 yards, one interception against two high right there. Yep. All right. He, all right. Now he started kind of picking up after the Chargers game. Split safeties. He was nine of 15 for 152 yards. No interceptions, no touchdowns. Right. But yep. okay. That was against the Chargers. Against the Rams, he was 10 of 13 for 83 yards, two touchdowns, one interceptions. That was split safety. Philadelphia, too high. 10 of 12, 122 yards, no touchdowns there. Hang on, let me go here. Okay, now the game, uh, Carolina. Okay, there was a bad game. Too high safety. 6 of 10, 46 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. All against the split, split high. So, and then Buffalo got him. He was 12 of 22 for 85 yards and one interception. Ugh. Everything else, like he crushed Seattle. Too high safety looked. He was 19 of 23 for 183 yards, one touchdown. Mm. He was, okay, Dolphins, 10 of 17, 67 yards, one touchdown. So, a lot of completions, but he just wasn't going anywhere, right? You know? Yeah. And so I, I just I just like to say the too high look, you know, I, I counted I counted four games, I think, where he was just not very good. The Giants game opening day, the 49ers game, we all know that was a disaster for the whole team. And then Carolina and Buffalo. And if you want to include Miami of the ten of seventeen for sixty seven, that's a pretty bad day at the office for him. Well, last question here for um, HP before we wrap. Did I things answer up. that question enough? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. <laughs> uh, question from HP here: More blame for CD not getting the ball for two plus quarters Ooh. against Miami, Dak or Mike? Um, I think he got creative. It's really easy to it's really easy to blame the quarterback here because he pulled the ball down a couple of different times. Um, but I will say this: They got creative on a third down play when they ran uh they actually motioned they got in trips and motioned Tolbert away. This is after this is after uh this is after C D started off so so well. So you know he, he goes that he goes that whole couple of period a couple of quarters there with uh with nothing going on. Mm-hmm. But then they finally like, okay, damn, let's get him the ball. Well what did they do? They 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 motioned they got in a bunch formation motion Tolbert away, which made which made uh, Howard have to take him. So then it put it put it bumped Howard out, and it put uh, the um, the nickel the backup nickel. Who? No, the other one, the other one. Excuse me, I'm gonna cough here for a second. <coughs> but yeah, but they the backup nickel uh, Hillman was uh, in the game at the time, number forty. Yeah was in the game. I, I wish I had that written it down who but I think it was I think his name was Hillman. But he he's covering now they run they run a vertical to clear and then they put the ball behind the the clear route for the first down. So that you know they got creative getting the ball back. Excuse me once again here. <laughs> Brian Brian see I've given Brian now I'm, now I'm dealing I've dealing with I'm, I'm sorry folks for coughing. I've given him a cup of water here. I gotta get that I gotta get that taken care of. But anyway so anyway, um, yeah, they they finally found ways to where before they were taking advantage of some of the matchups and coverage, 
and running the routes. And then all of a sudden they kind of went away from that. Whether And I don't think it was anything drastic that Vic Fangio did or they tried to double him or anything like that. They passed him through some zones a couple of times. But Mike has got to find a way to get his guy the ball. And that's play calling to me. Now, you know, Dak under pressure, the situation, maybe not too comfortable with what's going on at left tackle, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I would say that because I did see the coach, you know, after he'd gotten him the ball, this down after down after down, had to create something for him to get him the ball on third down and he makes a play. And then now all of a sudden he's back in the game. So yeah. that's a little bit on the coach right there, I think. That does it for us here today on the Love the Star podcast. <laughs> we're a mess right now, aren't we? we we're, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling through my voice, but I, we're going to get through one more episode, Brian. That's what we're going to do. We're going to preview the Lions' defense on the next episode. Also, uh, take a look at these injuries and uh, preview this game. Pick this game between the Cowboys and the Lions for Brian. Brought us. I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again next time.